Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vulgar Burrito Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Mike. Welcome into this episode where we are interviewing author Patrick Hickey Jr., the author of the Minds Behind the Games book series. It is going to be awesome. He's going to join us here shortly. Before he joins us in, though, we want to promote a new sponsor. Mike, you may recognize this name. (laughs) This guy is a legend around these parts. I'm talking about Henry Dickon. What he's known for, you know, it's fall time, so the production of this is going to be skyrocketing right now, is his apple cider. It's legendary around here. Yes, it is. Have you ever had Dickens cider? I have. Oh, it's amazing, it's isn't amazing. it? Amazing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's best warm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Much like the fast food wars, this was an apple cider war. And we had another guy locally. You know, we always support local. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely yeah. support local businesses. Uh, Gerald Cummins. And he had his branch of cider. It was good. I mean, it's the first that we heard of. But Cummins Cider just just didn't match up to Dickens Cider. No, no. I mean, it was less of a cider and more of like a, a nog, like, a, yeah, like an eggnog. Yeah, like, like a thicker. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, did you have a preference between Cummins Cider um, and Dickens Cider? Uh, I prefer Dickens Cider because anytime I <laughs> I, uh, I had the Cummins Cider, it would, uh, it would always dripped out a little bit. No. <laughs> You know, you always had to grab a towel and wipe up the cider off the <laughs> counter. I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> I have no idea why I'm laughing, why that's so funny. I mean, it's just apple cider we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's, yeah. it's sticky and yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just, it was a mess. Yeah, and you know what? It, it showed and that's why he's out of business. That's right. You know? Yeah, I mean, we'll always remember. <laughs> we'll always remember the fond times of uh, coming cider. So, Mike, what's your big beef with Cummins Cider? Uh, Just lay it on me. You, yeah. Well, my problem with Cummins Cider is uh, you'd go and you'd pour yourself some, mm-hmm. and it would just kind of drip out. Oh, I hated that. All, all over the counter. Yeah. You know, and you, you had to wipe it up. and uh, it, was a, it, it was a sticky situation. It was very sticky. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it got on the carpet. Yeah, I hated that. I hated oh, yeah. it, yeah. Out of everything, I'm glad we still have Dick and Cider. Uh, it's just a tradition now mm-hmm. around these parts. And uh, we're happy that we are sponsored by him. So, you know, if you've any of our listeners has ever had Dick and Cider, um, or haven't had Dick and Cider, mm-hmm. I guess that would be more of the, if you haven't if had you Dick haven't and Cider. Dick and Cider. Yeah, I mean, go get some. Yeah. Put it in your fridge. Slide it right in there. It's <laughs> It's definitely better warm. I gotta yeah, say, yeah, you want to have it warmed, yeah. maybe a little spice stick inside. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I mean, we really appreciate him sponsoring us, and I guess we'll just end it with uh, the the catchphrase for Dick Insider: "Nothing hits the spot like Dick Insider." Yep, perfect. All right, so uh, moving on to the show, um, we're going to be joined by author of the minds behind the games, Patrick Hickey Jr. So I want to describe this guy to our listeners because I think when we when he first reached out to us and, and had asked you know if he if he could be on the show, absolutely you know yeah. <laughs> we didn't even care who you were yeah, yeah. We'll take whatever <laughs> we'll take whatever we can get. So uh, you know we like to do our research. We don't just like to all willy nilly a guest. You know mm-hmm. we we pulled this guy up and we were just blown away. Yeah, Patrick's a full time lecturer of English an assistant director of journalism program at Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, he's the chairman of the City University of New York Journalism Discipline Council, founder, editor-in-chief of ReviewFix.com. He's also the former news editor at NBC Local Integrated Media hmm. and national video games writer at TheExaminer.com. 
over the last 10 years, he's won numerous awards, and he's had his work mentioned on national ad campaigns by Disney, Nintendo, and EA Sports. Mm-hmm. It's in the game. It's in the game. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean... That's quite a resume. Yeah. Um, one thing he can add to that, the Vulgar Burrito oh, Podcast. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that'll actually <laughs> probably be at the top of the list, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. People will be like, Disney, Nintendo, Vulgar Burrito <laughs> Podcast, are you kidding me? I had I purchased one of his books. He has a book series. It's four books. The Minds Behind Adventure Games. The Mind Behind Games, which is, uh, I believe, the original, which is the one I bought. The Minds Behind Sports Games. And that's the one you bought. Yeah, that's the one I bought that uh, I've been reading, yeah. Okay. And then The Minds Behind Shooter Games. So just, just to kind of run through... And I know you can talk to the sports game, so I'll talk to the other one. But uh, for his adventure game book, it includes 31 games. Games like Strider, Pitfall, Grand Theft Auto, Maximum Carnage. And we're not just talking about discussing the games. We're talking about him interviewing the guys who made these games. And a behind the scenes of what they went through to make this game. Everybody just thinks it's, it's so easy. They got a team of people. They sit in a room. They're coming up with ideas. And then they put this game together. There's more to it. There's fights. There's people that drop out, new managers that get brought in, games that get redone, games that have almost been canceled. And it's just a total behind the scenes. Shooter games, 39 games in the book, including Halo 3, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Medal of Honor, Metroid Prime. We're not just talking about your average games. We're talking about games that made a difference in the industry. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. I know sports games, they had, what, John Madden, Tony Hawk, Pro Skater 3, uh, WCW versus NWO Revenge. Yeah, that, that's the one I, I ran, jumped right to that one. Yeah, dude. I remember having a contest in my video game store for that game. Yeah. So my book has 36 games included. The reason I picked this book is I wanted to, you know, I w- wish I knew every game going into it. You know, mm-hmm. Amazon doesn't list every game that's in yeah. the book. You, you know, got yeah. to keep some things secret. Yeah. Right? But they mentioned just enough, and I one game caught my eye. Night Trap. Night Trap, Which yes. you know is my favorite game yes, sir. of all time. So I had to buy this book. And he sits down with the guys that created the freaking game, and it's just it blows my mind. I thought I knew everything about that game, mm-hmm. and now I feel like I know nothing. <laughs> but after reading it, I'm just I'm so blown away by it. He sits down with Mark Turmel for NBA Jam, mm-hmm. John Tobias from Mortal Kombat. These are guys that have revolutionized the industry. That we grew up playing their games, and yeah. here they're, you know, he's sitting down talking with them, and they're, I don't know, I don't know what else to say besides it's beyond amazing. Mm-hmm. And you go on uh, Amazon, and the, it, every book has five star reviews. It, it's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's as best as we can describe it, and hopefully that encourages people to go get these books, read them. Yes, you definitely know, go check them out. It's not like we're making anything off it. No. It's it's all about him. Yeah. I, this is. Uh, Incredible. Yeah, and I, I to have someone say, I want to do your show and talk about my book. And you're like, okay. And then you read his book and you're like, okay. Yes. <laughs> you will please be, come on. Yes, please. We need this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think we've set our piece on the book as much as we could could say with you know, but without further ado, let's let's get into meeting the author himself, Patrick Hickey Jr. So yeah, you you totally took me for a loop because like um 
man, having a five star review uh, rating on Amazon is like it's it's an awesome feeling, and then to have it like taken away from you because of something like that, you know? Yeah, and, and that dude wasn't even mentioning anything that was in your book. It was, it was oh yeah, it was pissing me off to be honest. But the thing is, too, it's like I've been a college professor for fifteen years, and um, I'm young, I'm thirty seven, so it's like I've been teaching oh, wow. like since I've been out of school and. Most of the people that work with me are like 25 years older and they haven't really done anything like as far as like published books and stuff. And now I'm writing stuff that my students are reading. So I'm like public enemy number one. So that's uh, it's, it's totally it's totally somebody that that works with me. Like, uh, that's, that's, so, yeah. yeah, that's BS, dude. Yeah. So they did it on Goodreads too, same name. So it's just like, yeah, it's pretty shitty. But what, what can you do? Yeah, so. for sure. You're always going to you're always going to have the bad reviews, but like. <laughs> You you hope that they're not fake, you know? And that's, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what pisses me off is when you can like, tell they're fake. bad reviews that are honest, I mean, you could learn something from them. Sure. You mm-hmm. know? Yep. So, but criticism. like, yeah, this book isn't even worth $40. Damn. Thanks so much for that. Thank you. I'll remember that when I'm writing the next one. Like, how, how do you improve from that? That's just, it's an attack, you yep. know? And mm-hmm. it's just, it says a lot more about the quality of your work than, than anything else. So, right. So, yeah, thanks for just having my back. That, that was awesome. Oh, for sure, dude. Um, now, if your book sucked, I wouldn't have done shit. No, I'm just oh yeah, you would have just been like, yeah. So um, you're yeah. gonna be on the show tonight, and uh, you're a dick, but you know, yeah. and we're gonna th- blast thank it you. later. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. So <laughs> go ahead. You're more than welcome to. So my oh, my man. question about uh, your USA jersey that you're wearing in your photo, and I, I'm gonna take mm-hmm. a guess at it uh-huh. because you're from. Are you originally from Brooklyn? Yes. Okay. Yes. So obviously there was no Brooklyn Nets, but there was a New Jersey Nets. So mm-hmm. you could kind of probably sway between New York or New Jersey, and I'm going to take mm-hmm. a shot and say New York, Patrick Ewing. Nope. Damn. All right. Mike's going to take a guess here. I'm just going to guess Jordan. Nope. No. Oh. Okay, good. I said Joe Dumars at the beginning, too, and then I'm like, no, <laughs> oh, he was on the Pistons. He's on the Pistons. So yeah. who is it now? If you Larry say Mark Bird. Price, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cream in my pants here. <laughs> Larry Bird. Larry Bird. All oh. right. Why All do right. you think of Larry Bird? I'll do a little cream for that. No big deal. It's my guy, man. Larry Bird, Dirk Nowitzki. I, I mean, I went to Grady High School in Brooklyn, and um, I was the long, blonde-haired um, three-point shooter that could rebound a little bit. So it was like I've always modeled my game a little bit after those guys. That's awesome. So, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Hell yeah, man. So I love Larry Bird. I love Patrick Ewing, too, but being a, I grew up um, – it's a funny story. I actually grew up a Nets fan because um, my father blocked uh, Madison Square Garden Channel on really? the cable because oh, he didn't nice. want me to watch the Yankees or the Rangers. <laughs> I, I wish I was kidding. So it's like growing up, I love the New Jersey Nets, like Derek Coleman, Kenny Anderson, Dawson Petrovich, oh, yeah. you know, Kenny Anderson. And, awesome. Yeah. You know, and people were like, why the fuck do you like the Nets? And then I would explain <laughs> to them. And they're like, so like I, when they got Keith Van Horn, I was super, I loved Keith oh, Van Horn, yeah. Kendall Gill, Kerry oh, Kittles, like, mm-hmm. I was hardcore Nets. Yeah. I still am, but not you know basketball sucks now. It's like the fucking ballet. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. absolutely, dude. It it, oh. it is a completely different game, and Ugh. I don't know. It's God growing up in the '90s with those teams is just amazing. Yep. Yeah. Oh, like the shit Rodman would get away with on the floor, oh, like yeah. nobody would be able to get. Like oh, they'd be, not. he'd be on the news. Yeah. You know. Uh, we got a lot so of you, floppers now. Mm-hmm. Yep. You mentioned Joe Dumars before. I mean, like that that fucking guy would take a beating like oh, yeah. every night for his team. You know, yep. he put his put his whole heart on the on the floor. Yep. You know. Yep. Now, so uh, and the talent was so evenly spaced. Like you didn't want to see all these guys coming together to form a super team. You know, like yep. every city mm-hmm. had their stars. Yep. Yep. And they had they had morality 
They had ethics. It was just like there was very few like like Rodman was definitely like a hired gun. He after like the after the Pistons uh, and him parted ways, he was kind of like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just go wherever I need to go to make <laughs> some money. Blah, 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 blah. Throw some bows. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But like th- there are very few there were very few players during that time that would have like done that. And the thing was too, Rodman, Rodman didn't care about uprooting himself. He was going to go and bug out and have fun and sleep with men, women, goats and shit in whatever <laughs> town he, he lived in at the time. Yeah. But a lot of these guys back then in the eighties and early nineties, they were, they were family men until you got like, you know, the whole Antoine Walker generation where they're, they're just getting women pregnant in every city that they go to, Sean Kemp. you know? Yeah. I was, so Sean Kemp's like my favorite player of all time. And he's got like 40 yep. kids. So. <laughs> 40 yep. kids. I, yep. had to, I had to get to my Jersey number. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. That wasn't his number. It's just the number of kids he had. That's why. He was. Yep. Was, what was Crazy. his jersey number? Forty. Yeah, that's what I. Sean, yeah, yeah, I Sean Kemp was forty. Yeah, he was great though. He was fucking awesome. One of the happiest days we're we're in Cleveland. So one of my happiest days was when the Cavs traded for him. Wow. I was so excited. Of course, he shows up. He's overweight, <laughs> like two hundred yep. pounds overweight. Yep. Y'all, y'all uh, got a McDonald's around here. <laughs> Uh, it's like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer looks at himself in the mirror and he's all muscular, but like in person, he's not. And he's like bouncing his tits. He's like, like that was, yeah, that was Sean Kemp. Yeah, that was Sean Kemp, yeah. Oh my God. All right. So we're going to get into your book a little bit. And uh, sure. I know me and Mike will probably go back and forth until we don't have any more questions, but uh, yeah. Yeah, there's no rush. How soon after your first book did you decide it was time for another? Like, was a series always planned? Pretty much what ended up happening was I um, I pitched so many developers that um, I knew that some of them were going to get back to me after the manuscript was sent in. Mm-hmm. Like I just I it was basically like I'm going to get as much as I possibly can until my manuscript is due. Like perfect example, like the Night Trap chapter, they announced the 25th anniversary remaster like a week or so before my manuscript was due. So I'm like, shit, I'm like, I need to call these guys right now, get in contact with them so I could add that to the chapter because the book's not going to come out for another eight months. It's got to, I got to get that in, you know? Yeah. So um, it was just a mad dash to get in as much stuff as I possibly could. So I ended up with 36 games for the first book. And then literally like a month after the first book came out, the guys that did Loaded on PS1, which is such a good game, it's fucking, it's a bloody uh, over over the head shooter. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was on a PS1. That was a tall box game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I love those long boxes. Same here, That's man. what she said. But um, <laughs> but like they they got back to me, and then I ended up getting like four or five people from that team to talk to me. So that turned out to be a really good um chapter. That's gonna and that that's not in any of my books yet that's in the minds behind the shooter games which is going to come out in january so what happened was the first book has 36 games in it i was originally going to do like the minds behind the games two, and it was going to be bigger better uncut you know like have so much shit in it (laughs) and um i pitched it to my publisher and they're like no and i'm like what and they're like, no, stupid. They said it very nicely, but they said, no, stupid. Like, look at the list you've given us. It was 43 games at the time. And they're like, if you do a little bit more work, you've got enough for like the minds behind the adventure games, the minds behind the sports games, the minds behind the shooter games. The... And I'm just like, that's not what I want to do. And they're like, well, that's what we want to do. And uh, I ended up having a conversation with my wife. 
she was like, they're trying to brand you, stupid. They're trying to make a brand out of this, like make a series, like go with it. This is great. This is three more books. And I'm like, oh, shit, you're right. Yeah. Whoa. You knew marriage so, would pay off eventually, right? No. Oh, uh, well, that's what happens, too, when you marry an Italian woman. So, <laughs> Oh, there you go. <laughs> she'll, tell me how, she'll tell me how she feels when I, I don't even have to ask her. Yep. So, and it's great. It's great. Like, if, you, if you've got thick skin, perfect. You know, like, she tells me exactly what I need to hear. Sometimes when I don't want to hear it, but it's perfect, you know? So she, she set me straight. And she was like, yeah, this is – they want to sign you to a three-book deal. This is awesome. And I'm just like, mm, okay. So I was essentially writing three books at the same time. So like, yeah, the answer was the, the, the short answer. Um, yes, always wanted to do a sequel. Um, the long answer was I didn't expect it to manifest into three more books. And now, I mean, now it's essentially manifesting into I've got after the Minds Mind the Shooter games, I just finished writing the Minds Mind the Sega Genesis games. And I'm like 85 oh, percent finished with the Minds Behind the Sony PlayStation games. Wow. So. So, yeah, so this has been a really crazy journey over the last four years. And that answers my other questions, because I was going to say, are there other ones in the works? And, you know, man. Yeah. uh, Wow. Yeah. So blown away. man. I just I mean, I'm not going to give it like completely away yet, but I I started another book in the series like four days ago. I've already got 10 games confirmed. So it's uh, it's crazy. So what wait wait you want to know you want to know what, what it's the minds behind the playstation 2 games oh so, gosh so that's the next Dude. one but you gotta um, slow you guys down because i don't read that fast so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, dave see, reads the at a third too. grade level yeah and he's <laughs> not kidding so the last last book i read i think was uh like a choose your own adventure book in third grade and i was i think nice. i was like skipping around on that too i was just like oh, i turned to the wrong page and died i'm going back Fuck this that's great well yeah. see that's the best thing about about my books is like the, they're chapter based. So it's like, if you don't want to read about a certain game, then you, you don't even have to, you know, right. and mm-hmm. each chapter probably only takes about 10, 10 minutes to read. So it's like, I really started working on this obviously before COVID and I take the bus and the train to work every day. So it's just like, when I read, I want to read something that I could jump in and out of, mm-hmm. you know, that sounded disgusting, but whatever, <laughs> you know, um, and, uh, I I didn't want to bog the reader down with like, you know, 80 page chapters and like really super long narratives and mega big words and stuff. It's just I wanted it to be as digestible and fun as possible. So, yeah, it's it's good, man. I mean, coming coming from a guy who doesn't read uh, for enjoyment for like me, like, you know, I'll read articles in like Electronic Gaming Monthly or whatever. Or mm-hmm. is that even a thing anymore? Electronic game. I'm thinking of Game Informer. Game Informer Sorry, yeah. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah, I'm no, back in okay. the '90s again. <laughs> to be able to sit down and and actually get into this book because it's something I'm passionate about is is a testament to your writing. Because, I mean, I, I'm I like finally get to feel what other people are feeling when they're like, oh man, I'm I'm I just got like wrapped into this book and I feel like I'm there. And it's like that's exactly how I feel reading your book. I feel like I'm. I felt like I knew everything about Night Trap, and this exposed so much more than I even knew about the game. Like, I love it that much more. Hmm. But, yeah, the pace is so good because, like you're saying, it's individual games, so it's, you know, like a 10, 12-minute, sometimes 15-minute read. For mm-hmm. me, an hour and 15-minute. But, <laughs> um, you know, I can, I'm enjoying it while I'm doing it, and it doesn't bother me to sit there and read a couple chapters a night. And, you know, I started with, uh, in the book that I got, Mutant League Football, amazing, mm-hmm. amazing story. And I, I didn't even know they remade mm-hmm. that game. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I, that guy's amazing, too, Michael Menheim. He's just been through the ringer 
you know, in the industry. Like he had everything. He had yeah. a series. I mean, if you're a video game developer, that's what you want. You want mm. a series. Like the guy that made that created like Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty, they probably don't even work on the series anymore because there've been so many, but mm. they're still making money because they came up with the original idea. Like that's what you want. That's wow. you know. Yeah. But um. To, to, to go, go back a little bit, like if no one has told you that they love you lately, I am telling you like what you just told me about you enjoying my my book, like you just made my day. So thank you very much. Like, oh, that's awesome. Very welcome. Su dude. Super appreciated. But like, that's that's the thing. It's like um, it's a super hard sell sometimes like for think about it, like for the price of a game. This is what I try and tell people for the price of a game. You could learn about like over 30 and you can learn stories that aren't on Reddit, aren't on Wikipedia, aren't anywhere online. And if you really love games, then it's a book that you'll enjoy. Um, and some people are just kind of like, wow, $40 for a book or, oh, you're a college professor. So you must write like a college professor, like big words and like nobody wants to read it. And, da, 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 da. and I'm just like, I've been a journalist for 15 years. I wrote about video games for NBC. I was the 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 what's it called the uh, national video games writer for examiner.com i got the most views of anybody on that site for months while i was there it's like i write for video gamers i write yeah, for people yeah. that love and appreciate video games yeah. you know so and that definitely comes across yeah for sure thank you yeah i mean super I, appreciated and that and that's the thing for me i'm not saying i'm like a, a dumbass or anything but you know <laughs> no, i no. in your book I, I don't like come across words that i'm like yep i gotta stop here for a minute look getting my uh online encyclopedia and figure out what the hell this means you know mm -hmm. it's it's nothing like that it's it's just a like a pleasurable read you can honestly sit there and just keep reading and keep reading you know i eventually got to go to bed and you know yeah. it's, <laughs> but um i think i and i think these books have come at a perfect time because uh you know we're in a day and age of social media and if a game comes out and it doesn't meet people's you know gamers mm -hmm. expectations they start blasting you know the people behind oh, yeah. it on social media what you don't realize until you like really read these books is what these guys go through and how much they invest their time and their life into trying to bring you know the the perfect game and all the other things that have to go like you know all the different departments have right. to be you know in line sure. and in sync and you yeah. know I, I think a lot of people don't understand that it kind of makes you appreciate you know what yeah. all these guys do to try to bring you the best game they can and, and that's what... that's like always been the intention like just trying to get people to see that it's an art but it's also a mm -hmm. career and sacrifices have to be made and it's not just oh make the game that you want it's 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 kind of like being a journalist in a way it's like mm -hmm. write the article that you need to write in the words that we give you in the amount of time that we give you for the price that we're going to pay you, you know? So it's kind of like, wow. So wait, I can't write whatever I want. No, you know, it's a skill to be able to make something within mm -hmm. those parameters. So it's like for a video game developer, they may go, Oh, you know what? We're only going to give you nine months to make this game. Mm -hmm. And you may say, but this is like at least a 15 month game and you, you have to go, okay, we'll figure it out. So then they have to make sacrifices and stuff. It's, it's super hard. And the thing is like, there's a very big divide among gamers there are gamers that just want to play a game mm -hmm. and have fun and don't care about the people that made it and that's a very big majority yeah of, i would say that's of probably gamers. The, yeah the vast majority yeah you know and then there's a, then there's a contingent of gamers that are just like the same people that want to know who influenced their favorite singer or who or who influenced their favorite writer and things like that those are the people that that are really my audience i mean i was having a conversation with somebody on instagram the other day and they're like, oh, I really appreciate like what you're doing. It's super cool and it's super intuitive and no one else is doing it. But like, I really don't care. 
And I was like, okay, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask to hear that you didn't care, but like, I'm happy that you don't, you know? And, um, (laughs) and he was, he was just basically like, oh, you know, I play games because I like them. Like, he's like, I love Crash Bandicoot. So whenever a new Crash Bandicoot comes out, I buy it regardless. I don't care. So I'm like, you're doing yourself a huge disservice as a gamer. Mm -hmm. I was like, because there's been easily like 15 Crash Bandicoot games. And I'm telling you that not one person has worked on all 15 so right. all those Crash Bandicoots all have different stories behind the scenes, all play differently. If you learned more about these games and how they were created, you'd appreciate them more. You'd connect with them more. No, no, man, I just want to play them. I just want to play them. So I'm like, okay, to each his own. You know. Yeah, so it's like yeah. those people that are hungry, like people that like ESPN 30 for 30s, they usually tend to like my book. Yeah, I love uh, my books. Mm-hmm, people yeah. that like VH1 behind the music. Mm-hmm. You know, law and order, yeah. like stuff like that. It's like yeah. people that want to know a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I'm super happy with the people that I found that have like embraced me. Like every every day, it feels like people are sending me pictures of them reading the book. And it, the book's been out since the first book has been out since April of 2018, and people still buy it every day. So it's been it's been great. It's been really really cool to to just be able to tell developer stories because they deserve so much more credit than mm-hmm. what they've gotten to yeah. this point. And why do I picture like the kid that emailed you through Instagram is like one of those little shit talking bastards on Call of Duty going, <laughs> eh, and and I bought Crash Bandicoot and that's my game of choice and you didn't do it and you didn't you didn't write about it at all. I, I just picture one of those little bastards. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny. It's like the same people that like um, I'll uh, I'll post like the list of games that are in the next book, and they'll go, well, where's Final Fantasy? And I'll go. Do you understand how difficult it is to get Japanese developers to speak? Right. Like Kojima yeah. would definitely speak because he's a rock star and he definitely like he has like the name of a Japanese developer, but he is like totally like a North American, like Hollywood kind of guy. Like he <laughs> yeah, wants yeah. he wants publicity. He understands he's a brand and stuff. But it's like the people that did like Sonic the Hedgehog and like Altered Beast and all these classic games on the Genesis and stuff, for them it was just a job. And they don't want to brag about it, and they don't want to be like looked at as like anyone special. That was just their job, and that's the way they look at it. That's the way their culture is, and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's like when I try and explain that to people, they're like, "Oh well, if you couldn't get them, just say you couldn't get them." And I'm like, "No, they don't speak. They don't speak to people, right. you know." So it's like mm-hmm. um, the minds behind the Genesis games. I actually got Sega's approval on the book, and they hooked me up with uh, Rico Kadama, who um, she was the one that ported. Uh, Altered Beast from the arcade to the Genesis. And she also wrote the story for Fantasy Star 4. She's amazing. Oh, wow. So, like, just to get her to talk to me, like, for me, that made that entire book, like, worth it. Mm -hmm. Just to get her to speak to me. But if you go to, like, the layman, the average gamer, they're like, so you only got one Japanese developer? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) like... They don't. They don't understand how yeah. how difficult it is. And it's like I, I have friends that that do pod, video game podcasts and stuff like that now, and um, they're like, "Well, why don't you do why don't you do a podcast of like you interviewing these developers?" And I'm just like, "Cause I'm a writer, you know. Like that's yeah. what I I don't want to do a podcast. Like there's people out there that do podcasts. That's them. Like that's that's not me. So then um, my buddy is like, "Well, you know what? I'm gonna do it then. I'm gonna interview like all these people and I'm gonna get all these great people." And I'm like, "You know what?" Go do it. Yeah, do it, on. man. <laughs> Two or three weeks go by, and he's like, man, fuck you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he's, he's like, dude, no, none of these people got back to me. How come they got back to you? Like, da 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 And I'm just like, it's hard, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm happy that that happened because he's a great guy. He's super talented and he, he knows now how, how difficult it is to find these people. So can I just say that you said Kojima about four minutes ago and I, my erection is just going down. (laughs) So that is awesome. Um, One day, one day, (laughs) one day I'll get him. Maybe he'll hear this and think, you know what? Now's the time. This guy, this guy's been on the vulgar burrito podcast. He's getting big and I'm not going to have a shot. That's right. Interview That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> but uh, another cool behind-the-scenes type of thing, and I just want to mention this because I, I think the more we describe about your books, the the better mm-hmm. it's going to be to understand for people that are maybe on the sure. fence about like, oh, do I want to buy this or not? Um, yeah. You know, when you talk about Mendheim on uh, Mutant League football, and people don't realize there's like you said, there's more to a game of just going in and making the game, and when they brought in. Was it Sam Nelson? Yeah, I love Sam. Sam's great. Mm-hmm. And and at the time, Menheim, I mean, that game almost didn't come out. Yep. And and now he looks back and he's like, if it weren't for Sam Nelson, th- this game would have never happened. It would have never finished. I mean, you just think about where these games would be if if that game never came out. And there's probably many situations like that. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's a point in that chapter where Mike tells Sam, he's like, listen, if we can't get on the same page. Like, just throw me off this fucking cliff right yep. now. Like, they're playing golf together, you know? And, and Sam's like, no, that won't be necessary. Like, don't worry about it. But the best part of that relationship is um, they knew that they both had a job to do. And they did it to the best of their ability. And they kind of, like, didn't tell each other everything. So, like, I'll give you a little sneak peek. And in, in the minds behind um, sports games, I um, that, and that's the, the book that just came out in September. Um, I interviewed Mike for Mutant League Hockey. I, to, I, I got to interview Sam this time for Mutant League Hockey. So we got them going back and forth uh, in the chapter. And there's a couple of things that, like, Mike, 25 years later, was just finding out that, like, Sam never wanted to be a part of, like, oh the, of the, the entire thing and that he didn't have, like, any real faith in, like, the series and stuff. And Mike was kind of like, wow, <laughs> holy crap, because Sam did so much for the series. Like he he helped get them the TV deal, the the toy the toy deal, and all those things. And this is coming from a guy that like at first had no faith in like what Mike could do. So it's pretty it's pretty crazy that the relationships really power the game sometimes just just as much as the creativity behind them. Man, well you know the first I am I'm currently reading the uh, the sports book, the mind awesome. sports, and uh, the the thing that that immediately jumped out to me was is kind of in the very beginning where. You, you mm-hmm. were talking about growing up, how you would keep your rosters updated yeah. in your sports games. And I was like, oh, my God, it's just I felt like I was the only person that did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I got to ask, were you like that with the NCAA games as well? Were no, you, oh, no, just, oh, um, so just just football, hockey, basketball and baseball. Um, I played the, co- the college sports games like the, the NCAA Game Breaker games were a lot of fun for me. And um the college basketball games were fun and stuff like that. But yeah, I never, I didn't keep them. I didn't keep the rosters updated and I didn't edit. I didn't create players and stuff like that on, on those games. But yeah, the, like the major, the major sports, like absolutely. Like I would update like the, we're, we're, we're smack dab in the middle of NFL season. Every week I would mm-hmm. update the rosters and I would have friends go, yeah. Oh bro, I'll give you five <laughs> bucks for the, for the new rosters. I'm like, okay, give me your, no, give me your memory yeah. card. I'll go home. I'll be right back. You know? And that used to pay for like, you know, the next RPG or whatever. Cause I would get, you know, a sports game and I could make it last for like two or three years mm-hmm. because I was updating the rosters, you know? So I did that mainly cause I was poor, but I also did it because I loved 
statistics and I loved like, mm. you know, the whole roster management, you know, element yeah. of all of the games and things like that. So, yeah, same. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I what I would do whenever the uh, NCAA football or basketball games would come out, I'd go buy the game and then on my way home, I would stop and pick up uh, college football preview magazine or the basketball magazine. And then yep. I wouldn't play a game until I had the rosters put in for every school. That's how I am with NHL now. With like NHL 21, I'll go in and I'll have to update the player ratings because it's like historically, like I'm an Islanders fan. Historically, the Islanders ratings have always been like awful. And it's like the team made the semifinals this year. They've got a couple of really great players on there. So I'll kind of like go in and I'll update the I'll update the rosters. But my wife will laugh her ass off because she'll, she'll be like. You've been playing for an hour and a half yet, and I haven't heard like the game. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. And she's like, Well, just just play the yep. game. And I'm like, yep. See, I'm, I am. Same. I'm more of the uh, <laughs> like, you know, we're Cleveland Browns, so I automatically I'm like, Well, who do I got to trade for to make <laughs> yep. my team who's, good? Who's my quarterback yep. going to be? <laughs> Let's see. Let's oh trade for God. Ezekiel Elliott, and of course we don't have to now, but you know, yeah. I'm talking years ago when you're like, Man, I'll trade. oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> do you feel like these books, because I know in the in the book I'm reading, mm-hmm. uh, you do mention your wife and like when you first when you guys met and uh, you know I think it's every woman <laughs> in the world like when you guys first meet and they they see you're a gamer or that you have games they're like what in the hell is this and this is not staying in the house and then you gotta kind of have to explain to them like well listen it's not about playing it it's more of like a history and did writing your books do you think did that make your wife more interested in video games or is she still <laughs> not a fan? Charlie Hunnam could be buck naked in my man cave covering his genitals with my games and she still wouldn't want to go near them. <laughs> she has no interest in going anywhere near any of my video games. Oh my god. I kind of had a feeling that would be the answer because mm-hmm. you know my 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 wife, you know, played Mario Kart or Mortal Kombat growing up but like yeah. any girl probably just played just cuz her brothers were playing or whatever. Sure. And um so, you know, there's still she'll watch me play games every now and then, like The Last of Us Part Two. I'm kind of playing through that now, and nice, nice. Um, you know, so she'll watch me play it. And she was, I, I probably uninterested now after I went buck wild on the uh, lesbian scene that went on. I'm like <laughs> cheering like I'm in a freaking stadium filled with twenty thousand yeah. people, and I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And she's like, what is the big deal? Calm down. I'm like, you don't understand what this means to me. Oh <laughs> but uh, so I, I thought, how funny would it be? And I'm sure, Mike, you could probably think of one. You could, um, Patrick, you can think of one. But if we mm-hmm. started like just telling our wives random things like, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll buy you a Tesla if you can beat Ninja Gaiden 2. It'd be kind of funny to throw yeah. random things like that out and. <laughs> Them kind of oh, like yeah. them kind of look up like I wonder what Ninja Gaiden Two is. Mm-hmm. You ain't ever beaten my, that. <laughs> my my wife thinks that she's smart sometimes. Like when it comes to gaming, like I remember one time we were in we were like in the hospital. We were one of her family members were in the hospital. We were in the waiting room. I used to carry my 3ds with me everywhere. I had like 400 games on my 3ds downloaded. I had like a monster sized memory card in there. But I used to play Pokemon all the time. Still to this day, I still play a ton of Pokemon. And um, my wife is watching me play, and she's like, I don't get it. And I'm like, What are you talking about? Common she's answer. like she's like you're just you're just telling them what to do and they're doing it it's not even you're not even fighting with them you're just instructing them what to do how is this fun and i'm like i got all like dave Chappelle on her i'm like bitch i'm like, I'm like 
like, don't you understand that I was like five years old and my mother said, just go to that old man and get a Pokemon and then go travel the world with just one motherfucking Pokemon. Don't you understand? Don't you understand the journey that I've been on? <laughs> and she's, she was dying. She's like, stop. It's not that serious. I'm like, you know how many rat- Rattatas I had to catch? to get this Raichu to be the ass-kicking machine that it is. Do you understand what I've had to do, the sacrifices that I've had to make in my life to get this Mewtwo to level 100? Do you have any idea? And she's just like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, wow. You know, so... But it was just like... She was totally right, though, because it's like, Pokemon is like, it's such a weird game, but it's so freaking awesome at the same time. I I remember when that game came out, man, and I was uh, uh, the manager of a video game store, and Mm-hmm. It was like the craze, and I and I couldn't figure it out. But when I started playing it, I, it kind of reminded me, like at first, like kind of like the Tamagotchi type of thing. And sure, it just man, you really get into it, and then you are you're like people are walking in the store, and you're like they're looking around, and I'm kind of like, is there anything I can help you find? Because I'm kind of in the middle of something, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to raid, trying to uh, you know grow my Charizard here. If you could just yep. find mm-hmm. what you need and get the hell out of my store, I'd really appreciate. Oh my god, there's a there's a there's like a plaza in pokemon i think it's pokemon x or pokemon y it's like a big circle Mm -hmm. so the thing is like if you walk around and you have eggs like that's how the eggs hatch like when you walk a certain amount of steps in pokemon so what i would do is like i would only have one pokemon in my team and then i would put like five eggs and then i would stick a quarter under the the dual the not the dual shock the the analog stick to make it stuck to the right so like my character would go in a circle and then i would just work at mb I, i was i was an editor at mbc so, like, I would be writing articles and, like, you know, all crazy shit would be happening. And then, like, every five minutes I would just check to see if an egg hatched and then swap it out and stuff like that. It's like, oh, my God. The stuff that I did for that, like, my my timer stopped working at, like, 99 hours and 59 minutes for, like, the original, like, Pokemon. It was pr- or 999 hours or something like that. It was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty wild. Oh, so. my God. <laughs> but, yeah, they'll never, they'll never understand, guys. They'll no. never understand. No. no, not at all. So a couple weeks back, me and Dave were talking about uh, – I asked him a question of what was one game that he regrets never beating that he wish he could go back and beat. Mine, mm-hmm. mine was Rygar. And what was – Very what nice. Uh, mine was Super Mario RPG, but I actually did go back and beat it. So Nice. Yeah. Nice. I was just having a conversation with somebody about this the other day too. And um, if you guys have ever played Metro 2033 before, you guys ever played oh, that game before? Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually haven't. No, it's a it's a really good like post apocalyptic first person shooter that mm-hmm. takes place like in the subway tunnels of like futuristic Russia. Yeah, and it's it's very Fallouty, but um, it's a lot more first person shooter than it is RPG, and there are just some parts in that game that are just so ridiculously hard that like I I don't I don't get angry. And like over the edge and stuff, and it just got to the point where I was just like, "Fuck this game! I'm done! I'm done!" And that, I mean, that rarely ever happens, you know. And I was just because I wanted the game bad. Um, I, I anytime I find that there's like a book uh, that came out, and then they make a game based on the book, like before the movie and everything comes out, I'm like, "Yeah, this is a game that I definitely want to try." So there was a book out, like you know, 15 years before the game. And it's a it's it's really good. It's well designed. Mm-hmm. I like the narrative. The voice acting is good. It's very twitchy. Like you got to be super fast. Um, like you got to be better than the average Call of Duty player to do to do well in this game. And it just got to the point where it's just like, yeah, <laughs> I'd fuck be this terrible game. at it then. So, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I hated the last Call of Duty when I was getting sniped out by goddamn jetpackers mm-hmm. kids, and they're yeah. going, "Mister, you suck." I'm like, "Shut up! I can't." I'm oh like, yeah, well, that's why that's, I, when Modern Warfare came out, I went, "I'm like, okay, no jetpacks. I'm going." Back to the yeah, that, that's the thing too. Like, I think we're all we're we're all safely around the same age where, like, we play to chill. Yeah, to yeah, relax. Exactly. Yes, it, yep. you don't you want know, any mul- frustration. No. Yeah, yep. multiplayer for us is like couch co-op. Have a couple of guys, guys or gals, come over. You know, but like I, I can't stand playing online. I hate talking to people. Yeah. Yep. Playing online, I just want to be left alone. I remember when Street Fighter came out on PS3, and um, you had to shut off like the online gameplay because people could just like jump in and challenge you oh, yeah. at like any second. And I remember playing, and it's like. Here comes a new challenger, and I'm like looking around my house. I'm like, somebody's in my fucking house with a controller. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was just some guy that wanted to play me, and I'm just like, oh my god! So I should shut off the system. And then I like Googled it, and I'm like, wow, people could just jump into your games yeah. like on default. Like that's crazy. So like, yeah, I'm I'm totally, I'm yeah. totally old school like that. Yeah, I play that's... to be to be left alone. Yeah, I'm the same way. That's why it sucks if a game doesn't have a campaign mode now. Like, uh, I know the new Call of Duty will, but like. Past mm-hmm. Call of Duties have stopped doing the campaigns. That to me sucked because, I like you were saying, the online kind of you want to chill and it just became too frustrating. So I liked, that, I looked forward to the campaign, mm-hmm. and then, man, I'm glad they're putting it back though. See, you, you're cool. You are a cool person because, like, you think, you think the same way as me because, um, when uh, when I was working on the Minds Behind the Shooter games, that's the next book that's coming out. Um, I reached out to Activision, and I'm like, guys, I can't do a shooter book without getting Call of Duty. You got to give me somebody. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up talking to the narrative director of the last Modern Warfare, like the reboot, the soft reboot. Right. Mm-hmm. And he just talked about how important like it was to actually have a story. And they knew that they had this massively dedicated online, you know, community, mm-hmm. but how, how it was his job to make sure that the story was memorable. So I felt like that that was a really cool interview and that was something really different that that guy's probably probably hasn't had the opportunities to tell his story that that he deserves because mm-hmm. I mean the campaign in the new modern warfare is pretty deep. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's pretty good. So yeah. Awesome. So on that note with uh speaking of call of duties, um mm-hmm. are you a PS5 guy, Xbox Series X, both? Did you pre-order any of them? Uh, I'm eventually going to get everything. I never pick sides in a console war because if you do, I feel like you lose. It's like when the new Atari VCS comes out, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick that up. Um, when the Amico comes out, I'm going to pick that up. So I've got like over 3,000 games. No, I've no, got that's about a 30 consoles. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, I felt so bad for my wife, man. The first time she saw my games it was like 40-year-old virgin, you know? Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean... Because I feel like there's going to be great games that come out on all of those consoles, and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like. I don't want to miss them. I I play significantly less games than I used to. I mean, I used to be able to play like before I was married, four or five hours a day, you know. Yeah, and then with yeah. kids, yeah. it's less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you sure. get married, and then now I have two kids, and now I'm writing the books, and I run a yeah. site, and I'm a full time college professor. So it's like if I could get like a half hour to forty five minutes, like a day, like. I'm pretty good. Like I got to play Cobra Kai the other day on Friday. Like everybody was asleep in my house for like a half hour. Nice. And I was, and I was just like, Oh my God, this is what it felt like. Oh, like uh, I, mm-hmm. I miss those days of being yep. able to play yeah. like full out new Vegas for like seven hours oh, straight, yeah. you know, and being like, Hey, I'll take a shower at like 12 o'clock. And then it's like six o'clock and your friends are calling you and they're like, you coming out tonight? And like, 
dude, I'm on level 29 already, like one more level and my character's maxed out. And they're like, but the DLC is coming out next week. And I'm like, ah, fuck it. Don't worry. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> you know, and I miss those days. But then at the same mm-hmm. time, too, like I feel like I'm connecting more with these games by being able to tell these developer stories. And I look at these games in such a different way than I ever could if I was just a gamer or just a critic or, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you real quick, I, cause I, sure. I forgot to ask it earlier on, but uh, mm-hmm. do you, in your, in your opinion, do you think we'll see a, another NCAA licensed sports game? It's definitely going to happen. I hope it's so. absolutely going to happen. Um, it just has to make sense fiscally. Mm-hmm. For and this is the thing, it has to make sense for EA. It has to make sense for any other publisher that wants to get involved. It's got to make sense for the college, but now it's got to make sense for the athletes too. Mm-hmm, so the thing is, it's like there's a lot of red tape that you have to go around. And the thing is, it's like how do you how how do you determine how much you're going to pay, like the best college player on Duke, and then how how are you gonna how are you gonna determine how much you pay the worst player on a Division mm-hmm. two school or something like that? You know what I'm yeah. saying? So. They may they may end up having to do something really creative where they do like you know what is it the the, the final four, right? Mm-hmm. That you don't get every single team in the final four, you know? Yeah, yeah true. They may have to do something like that, you know, mm-hmm. or like a college football like maybe just the top five teams that qualify for every bowl game, you know? Like they may have to cut down on on the content. And I know that's mm-hmm. something that EA probably doesn't want to do because mm-hmm. EA prides itself on getting, you know as much in there as possible. So it's going to be interesting to see how it works out because I'm sure like three, four years ago, everyone was like, Oh, there's never going to be another like non EA foot regular football game out. Mm-hmm. And 2k has, has the rights to NFL games. There's going to be another, it's going to be an arcade style football game, but that's just the beginning. And then yep. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people never expected 2k to do a golf game and they just did a golf game yeah. so it's just like anything anything is possible i think like probably within the next three or four years you're going to see another college football game that's good yeah. and i think mike brought it up last episode where you know he and i'm speaking for you mike i'm sorry no, go ahead. but uh <laughs> you know <laughs> i'll just take over right now um but he brought up a good point was you know competition is a good thing and when we saw mm-hmm. when we saw madden buy the rights to the nfl and then 2k couldn't make any more games and that was right after their 20 dollar game that they made that blew madden that out of the water blew it out of the water yeah, yep. yeah. and mm-hmm. um competition makes these companies better and hopefully they understand that is it puts better product out for the consumer to not have any competition is just you're keeping the games they're stale they're not improving that much. They're changing. Remember, there was a time where they would add one thing. It was like, this year is the hit stick. You know, and yeah. it's like, uh-huh. mm-hmm. that's not yep. fun to us. Like, it's cool no. at first, yeah. but it's like Mortal Kombat fatalities. It's like, you know, you got to put more in the game because once you've seen the fatalities, the game starts to lose a little bit of luster. So mm-hmm. putting more content in the game mm-hmm. makes the game more fun. So same with football. I mean, you got to have the competition. So I'm glad 2K is, you know, starting to make a, a little bit of a you know, headway of coming back. Yeah. It's the same thing too. Like when NBA live came back, um, a lot of people like, Oh, those games suck. And I'm like, if there was no NBA 2k, you would absolutely play NBA live because it's Mm -hmm. not terrible. It's not a terrible basketball game, but compared to NBA 2k, it's not, it's not nearly as good, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's still like on a scale from one to 10. Like if you had to tell me like, what's, um, what's the last NBA live? It's like a seven. It's not a terrible basketball game. You can get some enjoyment out of it, but like a lot, uh, NBA 2k just has all the options. I mean, it's got great online play. It's got the whole shebang and they got a great soundtrack. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to beat that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Where is it? Okay, so uh, in your this kind of off topic of books, but no, it's okay. In your um, in your biopics that that we're looking at right now, and in mm-hmm. I know the I know the listeners can't see it, but you have a game collection behind you, and yeah, it, it's amazing from the looks of it. Thank um, you. You should see the pictures on Instagram. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I post yeah. a ton of stuff. Ton on these Instagram. tons of stuff. I mean. Yeah, it's like chain uh, chain of consciousness. It's just if shit pops up <laughs> into my head, I'm just like boom, 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 boom. Sorry, boom. Mike. Like, I don't stalk his page like you. No, just kidding. <laughs> I was doing research, Dave. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, you were in the bathroom for a long time, so that's why I don't. Uh, your wife's gonna need more lotion. Anyway, um, <laughs> but um, so today's sponsor is. <laughs> so what are what are some of your favorite? pieces in your collection it could just be one or two i just i'm just curious mm-hmm. so i'm getting i'm picking up stuff like once a week i'm just going to the store and i'm just picking up stuff like once a week um i'm trying to pick up stuff that like either has a story behind it or something that i don't have i really like collecting games that only appear on one console mm-hmm. like x like original xbox exclusives or like mm-hmm. super nintendo exclusives and things like that like even if they suck i still want them because like they're not they're not in like huge demand and stuff. Um, wow. Uh, so definitely like Chrono Trigger on Super Nintendo. Um, definitely like Bard's Tale on NES. One of my buddies is a game developer, and he actually sent me like ten games today. Like he just sent a box to my house, and he was just like, you know, my wife wanted, my wife was gonna throw these out like here, and um, oh he gave me Blade Runner on uh, PC. Oh, oh wow. And it's such a good game. It's yeah. it's the same guys that did um, Command and Conquer, and they also did um, the Dungeons and Dragons on the Genesis, and they did Lion King on the Genesis. So like that's a really cool piece to have. Um, Ultimate Fighting on um, Dreamcast is an amazing game. Oh, that's yeah. like one of my yeah, favorites. Um, yeah. All the all the um, Aki wrestling games on Nintendo yes. sixty four. I mean that's. Virtual Pro Wrestling, WCW, NWO World Tour, Revenge, yeah. WrestleMania 2000. Those are like, I can literally play those every day. Um, I jumped right to the Revenge when, when I when I picked up the sports book. I, yep. I, I jumped right to the Revenge because mm-hmm. I, I did like immediately. That's the one that I wanted to read right away. Yeah. And that, that, that game producer is... is one of the nicest men in the entire world. Oh, like, wow. he is just super down to earth. He's had a really rough life. He imparted so much wisdom to me about like, because I mean, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but after the first book came out, I started I started doing a lot of writing and voice acting in the video game industry and stuff like that. And um, I learned a lot from him about like, you know, mores in the in, in the industry, like how to how to act and, you know, what people expect of you and stuff like that. Like he's a he's a super awesome, awesome guy. And um, that's the thing. This is the type of guy you would see him like in Starbucks and you would have no idea that he helped create the games. Like, without Sanders Keel, those games do not come out in the United mm. States because, like, Virtual Pro Wrestling was, like, a Japanese thing. Yeah. And he saw these and was like, yo, we could reskin these with the WCW license and people would eat it up. And he's the one that sold it to THQ. So, like, he's basically single-handedly responsible for... Those games sold millions of copies. Those games far outsell any of the 2K WWE games that come out now on uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and stuff. So, like, that guy... Yeah, that guy's an absolute legend. So to be able to have him in the book and and the fact that he wrote the um he wrote the afterward to the book, I mean that's just that's just huge for me. Yeah, so. that's awesome. And I think that's a mm-hmm. good point of like imagine these people walking amongst amongst us and we have no idea. You know, 
Like I could probably pinpoint if a guy looked like Mark Trammell, I could probably be like, man, that God, that looks like Mark Trammell. Would yep. I would I walk up to him and be like, dude, did you create NBA Jam? You know, that's probably not going to happen. But yeah, um, you know, that's what's so awesome about your books is like, thank you. you. These guys are kind of getting recognition that maybe they wouldn't exactly. normally get. Yeah. Maybe it is getting their face out there a little bit more, and uh, they super super deserve it too. It's like I'm not sure if you know, but like the new Harry Potter like uh, Zynga game that just came out that like basically everyone's wife is downloading right now. Everyone's playing it. It's like a puzzle match game and stuff with Harry Potter characters. It's got like 7 million downloads already. Mark Turmel is on that team. Really? Oh, wow. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, like Michael Brook, the assistant producer for like all the original Maddens and like one of the lead designers for like NHL PA 93 and NHL 94. He just released a sports trivia game on iPhone. So it's like these guys are still wow. they're still around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I talked to Tony Barnes pretty much like every day. And that was the guy that worked on Desert Strike, Jungle Strike, Urban Strike, oh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, awesome. Star Wars Episode 3, Strider, Medal of Honor. Like he's been around oh, forever wow. and he's working on a really cool indie game right now. So that's the thing. It's like if you don't know your history, then what you're doing is you're just pumping money into the industry. Mm. And it's like you're kind of like just throwing away money because like there have been so many times when I've been in the video game store and I'll just I'll look at a game and I'll go, all right, I know the designer of this game. So I, I expect it to play kind of like this and kind of like that and da, 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 and I'll pick up the game and I'll go, hmm, I was right. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like if you know who the basis in a band is, you're going to be like, OK, so like if, if it's like if, if Flea isn't another band besides Red Hot Chili Peppers, you're going to be like, I'm going to like them because fucking Flea is the man. Right. Yep. You know, yeah. You know, or if it's like Bob Seger was in another band, you're going to be like, okay, you're either going to love them or hate them. If Steve Perry was in another band besides Journey, you're either going to be like, yep, these guys are for me or um, no. So it's the same thing with video games, but people, they, they think like the history is like so foreign and so like impossible to find out. But it's like if you really go deep and dig deep. You can find out who created these games and you can mm-hmm. contact them and they want to tell their stories. They just no one's found them. Yeah. I remember when I first started writing the first book, um, there's a video game store near my house, Brooklyn Video Games. I'm in there like twice a week, just bullshitting and stuff like that. And um, they get like Destiny FOMO in there from time to time. I'm sure uh, you guys know yes, who she I is. Yes, I love She's Destiny a... FOMO. Oh, wait. No, my wife listens to this. I do not like Destiny FOMO. <laughs> okay good no. um yeah i know who she is so so she's obviously like she's gorgeous you know and she's got a ton of followers and stuff like that but it's just like you have these people going in there and like destiny fomo has sold like hundreds of games to the store you know she just comes in and just drops off like sealed copies of stuff all the time wow. and um they have collectors that go in there and I'll, I'll have conversations with them and they'll be like oh i have you know, little Samson and I only paid like $700 for it. Or I have rule of Rose and I only paid like $600 for it. And, and I'll go, well, do you know the story behind little Samson? Do you know why little Samson is so expensive? No, 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 but I own it. I got it. I took a picture with it on Instagram and I'm just like, so I meet so many collectors that are just buying shit just so they have it in their collection because Mm -hmm. it's like a rare piece. And like, to me, sometimes you could buy a game for like $3 and that game has a better story behind it. And that game would actually be a better chapter of the minds behind the games than Little Samson. It's like one of the games I, I desperately would love to add to like one of my books is the guy game. If you guys have ever played the guy game before. And um, it's just this really stupid trivia game that came out on the PS2 and the Xbox. 
And uh, what happens is like, you know, if you, you answer a question correctly, you'll see like a girl in a bikini or something like that. And sometimes they're topless. It's like this really I remember stupid. That. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah. Now I remember. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember Jeff, the guy Jeff Spandenberg was the creator and he's he's the guy that started Retro Studios, which is now the company that makes all of the Metroid games. Um, oh, wow. So that's what I'm talking about. Like th- there's a store. This guy, this was like one of the games that like killed his company in a way where he had to sell it. You know, and um, I've tried to contact this guy several times because what ended up happening was one of the women that's topless in the game mm-hmm. was like 16. Oh, yes. And then they found out and they took the game off the market. So I own a copy of the game. I got it in Blockbuster for like seven ninety nine in like 2003 or something like that, just because it was this really quirky, different title. And even now online, it's not that expensive, but it's just like if people knew the story behind the game. Right. Yeah. It would be, you know, so it's just like I meet so many collectors that have all of this cool shit and they have no idea what they have. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, too, you have a lot of these collectors that they'll kind of shit on people that have uh, collections that are like mainly like commons, you know, like yeah. that they yep. have a lot of sports games and all oh, those are only worth like a dollar each and stuff like that. But some of those games have amazing stories behind them, Sure, you know. But sometimes just going to like your regular local video game store and picking up a couple of games and cross-referencing like credits on the the manual, you mm-hmm. can find out that a game that you thought was shit actually has like an amazing story behind it and help fuel like a game that you love. It happens all the time. Yeah, but most we, gamers don't look that deep. Yeah. No, and we, yeah. we just had a, a new game store built by us um, called Video Game Nirvana. And I've been wanting to go up there because nice. they're the same way. They get the old school stuff and... Sometimes when they know what they're doing, you know, mm-hmm. you're not you're not going to get a good deal on a game because they know what it's worth. And when I had my video game store, I did the same thing. I'd have people bring me a copy of Harvest Moon for Super NES. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, in my head, I know what I should be giving them. But I'm like, I'm curious to, you know, do you know what it's worth? So I'm like, well, what are you looking yeah. to get type of thing, you know? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. But um, yep, absolutely. And I've had so much stuff come through there and. I regret selling it, but I had to because it was my it was my own store. You know, I didn't work for somebody; it was my own business. And I had a Mega Man Seven in the box come in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow! An actual, and this is I swear on my life, a brand new, never opened Nintendo Entertainment System. The Ugh. thing, the thing still had a little bit of Christmas wrapping on it, and I'm wow. just like. I'm trying to compose myself, and I'm <laughs> like, "What do you want for this thing?" He's like, "Enough to buy a pack of smokes and some beer." <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> so I felt like, you know, in Step Brothers when they're trying to get the answer mm-hmm. about building buck, bunk beds and they're like, so <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to name a price. He's like, like 20 bucks. And I'm like, sold. Here's 20. And but the business side of me is like, oh, I got to sell this thing because I got to make my rent. And yeah, oh, not yeah. even realizing what that would be worth now. And because this is like 2004, I think. Yeah, 2004. Yeah. So four. yeah. I only sold it for three hundred and eighty six dollars. And I'm like, wow. Oh my God. I could have like had that water rated and <laughs> have it mm-hmm. put in glass. So yeah, oh, uh, just a nightmare. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know why I rambled on about that. No, but, it's a great story. Um it's a great story. True story, I did ask Destiny FOMO to be on our show at least twice and she ignored me every time. So Oh but, yeah. But we're still fans. So we're we're good. Sure, sure. And you know. like I said, like um she definitely has a fan base and they love mm-hmm. her. You know, but um, and that's the thing. It's like um, I just feel like we do two completely different things. I I feel like my my work is a lot more selfless, in the fact that I don't really tell people how I feel about the games in the chapter. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I say I say how many copies it sold, 
I say like what the critical reception was to it. And then I let the developer tell the story. Yeah. You know, I, no one, I'm not going to get millions of views if I'm talking about my favorite games, because as far yeah. as I'm concerned, like my opinion doesn't mean much. Like my, th- what I bring to the table is that I can get people to, to speak to me. Yeah. I can get people to tell me their story, you know? So that's why I feel like YouTube, a podcast that might not necessarily be my market. I, I need to get people that, want something to read on the bus or the train want something to read before bed want something to read like when they're taking a shit you know like (laughs) that's that's my that's my audience like gamers that want to know more gamers that want to connect more also too if you're a young person and you want to become a video game developer Mm -hmm. and you want to see what these people have to do to sacrifice and stuff like that i mean the book is pretty tame there are a couple of curses like here and there like some of the guys like in the road rash chapter dan geisler he's got a he's got a potty mouth but I mean, away from that, it's pretty, it's pretty tame to the fact that like my nephew is 11 and I was over there like two weeks ago and he was like, just getting up. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday and I'm like knocking on his door. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm just waking up. I open the door. He like rolls out of his bed and he's got like both of my books like near, you know, near his bed. And I'm like, what were you doing? He's like, Oh, I was reading last night. And I'm just like, there you go. That's awesome. Like, yeah. that, that's my, that's my audience. So it's like, I wish, I wish that I I could have the type of charisma and magnetism that somebody like that has and just be able to connect people. But like bottom line is, I mean, I know that I'm writing books that like 20, 25 years from now are going to be a lot more important than any one person's YouTube. Absolutely. So it's like a time capsule almost. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, I mean, I'm curious about, I'm sure the listeners would be curious about is how do you choose your games? What, why, uh, you know, where does the list come from? And you know, is it more personal or is it just, you found an amazing story and you have to share it. Um, the first book was very personal. Um, I think I told parts of the story before, but not like in, in its entirety. So basically what happened was um, my wife was five months pregnant and uh, I wanted to do something really cool before my daughter was born. Like I wanted to like knock something off of the bucket list. So this way I could concentrate on being like the best father that I possibly could be not and not be one of those people that like kind of looks at their kids and be like, I could have done this. And then I had you, you know, like <laughs> because parents, you parents ruined my life. Oh, wait, we're not supposed to say that to totally our kids. Do that. They do. <laughs> parents totally do that yeah. stuff, yeah. you know? So I didn't want to be one of those people. So um, my original plan was to, I've been the assistant director of the journalism program at the college that I teach at for like 10 years. And I was like, why don't we create a multimedia journalism course? I'm like, I've taught it at other colleges. We could bring it here. It'll help our program a ton. We'll make, we'll have better students. It'll be, it'll, it's win-win for everybody. And the head of the program, he's got tenure and stuff. He was just like, yeah, nah, not going to do it. So he just wants to like, kind of like ride out the rest of his career on like the status quo and stuff. So yeah. I'm like, just in- instinctually, right after he says no to me, I'm just like, well, then I'm going to write a book. So then um, he just goes, well, yeah, then go write a book, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like at that point I, i've like we shared an office for like 10 years and i'm kind of like go write a book kid like what are you serious and it was just like it was halloween on 2016 and i remember going home and i bitched to my wife and i'm like i'm gonna write a book and she goes don't bitch about it just do it she goes because i don't want to hear you bitch about it so if you're gonna do it do it don't talk about it yeah so i went in my man cave and i'm surrounded by games like that picture that you guys can see right now and um I love doing interviews. It's my favorite part of being a journalist. 
And my favorite stuff that I've written, like for NBC, was definitely my my sports and my video game stuff. So I'm just like, I was kind of thinking about doing a pro wrestling book. I was kind of thinking about doing a sports book, and then I'm just like, no, no, no. And I just start picking out games like Mutant League Football, Toe Jam and Earl, King's Bounty, Wonder Boy and Monsterland, and I'm just like, I know who created these games. These games have to have a story. ET, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So so I had like six or seven games. And I'm just like, all right, I'm going to find the developers of these games. I'm going to email them. I'm going to pitch them. And if half of them say yes, then I'll have like the beginning to start a book. I'll have like the foundation. And within a week, all seven got back to me and they all said yes. That's awesome. So now that was, now this is like the first week of November. So now by Thanksgiving, my wife is a little bit more pregnant. And now we just finished Thanksgiving dinner, so now she's laying on the couch. She's got she's all high on tryptophan from eating the turkey and stuff like that. So she's laying on the couch, she's sleeping. And I got the laptop and all all of those seven chapters are done. So I'm like, I'm gonna pitch this fucker. <laughs> so I started pitching publishers and um three days later. So like Friday, Saturday, no, four days later, technically. Um, the Monday, the first business day after Thanksgiving. McFarland contacted me wow. and they're like, yeah, let's do this. That's and awesome. they were like, but you know, you have like six or seven games here. And if, if you, if this is your style, if this is what you're going for in order for this to be a book, you need like at least 23, um, games. And I was just like, holy shit. Oh my God. I got to get like 17 more games. This is going to be nuts. So then I just every day on the bus, on the way home from work, like when everyone was sleeping, I'm sending out pitches and stuff like that. And it, it started off with maybe this is the only book that I ever get to write. So I got to do it right. So um, that's why there's an NHL game in there. That's why Wasteland is in there because I am probably one of the biggest fans of Fallout. I love the Fallout yes, series. Fallout and is Wasteland amazing. is the game that, you know, um, Toe Jam and Earl was a game that I played like crazy yep. as a kid. Mm-hmm. Wonder Boy, King's Bounty. Like these are all games that like I played as a kid. Doom. But the thing was with Doom was um, – I pitched Romero and Carmack. They never got back to me. So I'm just like, that Doom on the Game Boy Advance runs really freaking good for a Game Boy Advance game. That's got to have a good story behind it. And that ended up being like one of my favorite chapters in the first book because um, basically what happened was they, they, they ported it themselves. And then what happened was Carmack was playing it. It was like, well, why don't you just use the Atari Jaguar code? And they're like, wait, you want us to use Atari Jaguar code on the Game Boy Advance? And he's like, yeah, I just found the source code in my attic. So I'm going to send it over to you and we want you to just redo the entire game. Fuck what you did. And we want you to make, we basically want you to, to, to make an Atari Jaguar game on the Game Boy Advance and we want it to work. Um, oh, and they did it and they proved that it could be done. Um, they feel like their version is better, but they never got a chance to do another game because they lost the contract after that. And then um, the crazy part is the designer, uh, David Palmer, was fighting stage four cancer as I was talking to him. and um he signed the release and we spoke and stuff and then i never heard from him ever again um i've sent him several emails like thanking him uh giving him well wish uh, well wishes hoping that he's okay but i haven't heard and um heard from him and i I do google searches like every like month or so like to see if there's an obituary or anything like that haven't heard anything so it's just like that guy told me his story and he might not be here anymore right like that you know, it's like um, I'm not sure if you guys ever played Berserk for the Atari 2600. Um, 
it's one of my favorite games. It's got Evil Auto in it. It's got like he's like the first like real badass boss in a video game. And um, Alan McNeil designed it. And I, I went back and forth with Alan a whole bunch of times. We exchanged emails, and he was telling me that his mom was sick. And um, I sent him questions, and he said he was going to answer. And he never got back to me. So I was kind of like, wow, what a jerk. And then um, while I was working on the adventure book, I'm like, let me reach out to him again and tell him that I'm working on an adventure sports and a shooter book. So we could do Berserk didn't get in the first book, but it could get in the shooter book. So then the email got sent back to me. Like it got kicked back. And I'm like, wow, the email doesn't work. What the hell happened? Found out the guy died. Oh my gosh. You know? So like, that's the thing. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing this is because if some of these people don't get to tell their story, then it gets lost forever. And Mm -hmm. I would love, I would have loved to have told Alan's story. Berserk is an amazing game. Berserk was like the king of the arcades, like before Pac-Man came out, you know, it was one of the first games with like real voice in it. It was a great game, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons why I do, I don't, I don't do this like to get, page views and like you know to to have a verified check next to my name and stuff like that i do it because as a journalist it's my job to protect like the truth and to protect history and to protect people's legacy and it just happens to be that like this is what i'm doing with probably one of my favorite things in the entire world which is which is video games absolutely it's awesome so uh, so to answer your question i'm sorry um (laughs) yeah all, all of these games like i have a personal connection to like to all of these stories, yeah. To all of these, to all of these games, because like I, I was, I was of the generation just like you guys, where Friday night your mom would give you like five bucks, and that would be enough to like rent two games and get like a bottle of soda and a bag of chips, and that was your weekend. That's right. You know, and I because of that, I played so many games, and I, I sometimes I just see box art from like the Genesis or the, the Nintendo, and I'm just like it totally like takes me back, mm-hmm. you know, and. Mm-hmm. I want to re. I want to connect younger gamers, and I want to connect younger gamers to that time. I want younger gamers to understand that there was a time when games would come out and they couldn't be patched. And once a game yeah. came out, if there was a glitch, that glitch was there permanently. You know. Yeah. And you know, and like, I, and I want to connect us again. Like our whole generation, a lot of us have kind of like forgotten why we gamed mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I kind of want to connect us back to it too. You know, yeah. there's nothing childish or immature about playing video games. It's just for some reason, I agree. People, people tend to think like a lot of the people that I work with, I'm a college professor. And you know, like when the first book came out, they go, Oh, you wrote a book about video games. I wrote my book about postmodernism in South America. I'm like, what the hell is postmodern? What what are you talking about? (laughs) How many copies did that sell? Like who bought it? How many pre-orders did you get? Did anyone give a shit? You know? (laughs) So it's like, I want to write stuff that is obviously like socially, important and meaningful but i also want to write stuff that people read and i think i've done like a good job of like creating that cross-section oh yeah for sure absolutely and and that's the cool part is like you know we're we're 100 percent behind this and you know thanks man and definitely going to promote it and i've been telling people at my work about it and it'll just go from there from us i know that and you know hopefully more people hear it It's, it's an amazing book and i and i do think if any gamer is listening right now you know just Try the first one. Try the first one. Or if, you know, if something interests you that you see, like a shooter. I know, you know, your your shooter book, you know, has a couple recent games with, like, what, mm-hmm. Halo 3 and um, I'm trying to think of some Yeah, other. Medal of Honor. Medal of Honor and, and Call of uh, Duty. Dusk, yeah, and Call of Duty. So, so. maybe it's something they mm-hmm. can relate to, but yep. once they see the depth of, of how far it goes into each game, 
reading the other ones is going to feel like just a, a journey of, mm-hmm. of like, man, I'm going to learn about games that my dad's been talking about or, you know, why did my dad like Night Trap so much? You know, and then you mm-hmm. read the story and then maybe he comes and asks me, like, what was your deal with that game? It kind of, you know, you look at it and it sucks. But, you know, and, and I did show him the remade version of it, which is totally clear and James Riley saved unbelievable yeah. that he saved that footage. It's, it's just an incredible story of, of that. Yeah. But, you know, when I first saw it on Sega CD, my mind was blown. And that's the first thing I remember of Sega CD was that game. It just kind of stuck with me to the point where I even wrote into Sega. Um, it was probably, I'd imagine, 92 or 93 and wrote in because I could not figure out the times of to catch 100% of the augers. And they sent me back a list with the Sega uh, stamp, like the letterhead <laughs> that they have. And I wish yeah. I would have saved that now, but yeah, it had every single time and they actually had a typo in it and it screwed me up and I would always get 99% of the augers wow. caught until I finally figured out where they made the mistake and I fixed it, crossed it it's out so f- on that page. And I'm like, Oh, it just ruined history. But. <laughs> it's so funny too. Cause like with night trap, um, I'll tell you guys a couple of tidbits. One's not even in the, in the book. Um, so, like, I've spoken in depth with Mark Turmel, like, obviously for the first book. He's mega cool. Like, I remember um, we were we were bullshitting, like, um, like right before my, my daughter was born. And he was just giving me, like, tips on being a good dad. Like, just random stuff. Like, super, super cool guy. You know, like, oh, yeah, I'm about to answer your questions. But I'm actually, like, on a beach in Mexico right now. I'm like, <laughs> wow. Like, you know, but he was actually an intern on the on the set of Night Trap. No shit. I yep. did not. Did you know? Which I didn't know was what was he? Where was it? Was he an auger or what? Is... No, he was just he was just an intern, like working on the development oh, of the game. He was okay. on set, like with James and with 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 the whole with the whole team. Wow. Yeah, because I remember um, he was asking me what other games were in the first book. You know, because mm-hmm. he was he was busting my balls. He was just kind of like, oh, yeah, NBA Jam's the biggest game in the first book. Right. And I'm like, well, not <laughs> not actually. I'm like, I got a couple of heavy hitters in here that I'm really proud of. And he's like, like what? And I was like, you're going to laugh. And I was like, all of my friends have told me that I'm a fucking idiot for putting this game in the book. I'm like, but I loved it as a kid. It's got a great story. I'm like, Night Trap. He's like, no shit. He goes, I was on the set of Night Trap while they were filming. I was like, holy incredible. shit. So. That, and that's not in the book because, like, um, he didn't say it on the record. We were just bullshitting and stuff like that. So um, that's something that I couldn't put in the book. But, I mean, that was just a really fun tidbit for me. Um, the thing, too, with Night Trap, I mean, it was made in 1985. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. For um, what was the uh, – For the it? Nemo. For the, for the Nemo, that, the Project Nemo. Failed, the, yeah. the failed Hasbro system. So the thing is it's like it blew my mind, too, when it was released in, like, 93, 92 and stuff like that. But it's just like – Imagine if that came out the same year as Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Wow. There would have been no comparison. Because, I mean, you know this. Seven years in the video game industry is like 50 years in our life. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at NHL 21 and you look at NHL 14 and it's like, oh, my God. They're Mm -hmm. two completely different games. You know, adventure games, too. I mean, 2014, you've got the original Last of Us on ps3 and now you look at the last of us 2 it's like two completely different experiences you know so it's like man night trap if night trap would have gotten its justice when it originally came out i mean because in 1985 if you would have had the ability to control a horror movie holy shit that would have made a ton of money 
Yeah, the other thing was all of my friends when I was working on the first book, they were like, uh, why Night Trap? Like, you've got Bully, you've got Max Payne, you've got WrestleMania the arcade game, you got NBA Jam. Night Trap is such a shitty game. And I'm like, see, that's your problem. Yeah. That's your problem. When I say a game and the first word, if you can define that game in one word, like E.T. E.T. is the same exact thing. E.T. is not the worst game of all time. There's no. plenty of games out there that are a lot mm-hmm. worse, but E.T. has a great story. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Steven Spielberg you know? liked it. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steven Spielberg completely approved it, yep. you know, but that's the thing. Like, I don't I don't ever want to relegate a game to just one word. I want to be able to try and tell tell a story and to get you to look at that game a little bit differently. Yeah. And Night Trap is definitely one of those games. And one of one of the biggest um, haters of Night Trap read that chapter in the first book. And they were like, bro, this is the best chapter in the book. I'm like, thank you. I'm yeah. like, that was the point for you to look a little bit differently at the game. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, man, definitely. I downloaded it on Switch yesterday. I just want you to know. And I'm like, okay, good. Yeah. Thank you. It's yeah. one of those games that changed everything. I mean, you got uh, right at the same time, it was that Lethal Enforcers and Mortal Kombat. And yep. they showed, you know, of course, the what's dubbed the rape scene in the in the bathroom, which, I mean, it's hardly a rape scene. So, mm-hmm. you know, but they just tried to make it as drastic as they could. And Mortal Kombat, blood and lethal enforcers, you know, kids holding a gun and it just made it this huge spectacle of I really don't think and maybe there maybe there's a rare case, but I really don't. I think people just play games to escape. I don't. I don't really think they're looking at it like going to shoot up something. Like if they play Grand Theft Auto, they're planning and they're plotting in their head of like, I'm just learning how to shoot people. You know, it's an escape. Yeah. It's a game. And we look at it like games. And I just think in, during that time, video games became so big. And Night Trap graphically was, you're, like you said, controlling a horror movie. And I think that's what scared them the most is mm-hmm. this is like reality. And we're showing kids reality. But... Now it, it's a piece of history, and we owe that game a lot of uh, gratitude for yeah. what, what came after it. You mm-hmm. know, completely agree. It was wonderful talking to you. Um, definitely, we'll have to check back in when your other books release, and sure, um, especially once I catch up, dude. I'm such a slow reader. I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could speed read. I'm, I'm like one of those guys. I, I I read it, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna read that again because I don't think everything sunk in the first time. But, it's so um, funny that you say that too, because um. P. Paul Kett, he was the lead animator on Bioshock Infinite. Um, he wrote the uh, forward to the second book, the adventure book. And I'm actually working on a game with him right now. I wrote the story for the game that he's working on. Um, oh, that's awesome. He wow. read, he read um, A Boy in His Blob, the chapter to his kids, like as a bedtime story. <laughs> and I was just like, you did what? And he goes, yeah. He goes, he goes, Pat, I love that game as a kid. He goes, I've read the chapter like eight or nine times. And he's yeah. like, I played the game with my kids in just one night because he's got two twins. Uh, he's got a pair of twins. And um, so does Destiny like, oh, FOMO. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he just read the story. He just read the story. So you're great. That was awesome. Dude, that was I, that's the first thing that popped into my head. I don't know. You said twins. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Destiny FOMO. Um, oh, my God. That's awesome, though. I, man, it's, it's, it's cool that guys our age are like we relate to so much stuff from that era and we're trying to pass it down to their kids and I know they sometimes think it's lame, but if they could just understand where mm-hmm. what they're playing today came from a place mm-hmm. and that's where your books are, are, are telling it. That's exactly yeah. what yeah. it is. Is like, just read it. It's interesting. And this is where, this is where this stuff started from. Mm-hmm. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's great. 
Yeah, awesome, dude. We're, yeah. We'll definitely check back in with you when these uh, sure. the new books come out. And uh, it's, it's been an awesome, awesome interview. Talk, you know, talking with you and uh, just talking games. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man, guys. Thank so, you so right. much. Uh, the the only thing that I'll I'll say is that um, I appreciate everyone that like has any type of feedback for me. Obviously, like user reviews on Amazon, Goodreads, and stuff. Those things are always huge. Um, and I love when people buy the book, obviously, because it helps me like, you know, put food on the table for my family and stuff. Sure. But I will say that if you really want a super personalized experience to order the book directly from me um, at patrickhickeyjr.com forward slash books, what happens is um, so I, I sign the book. Mm-hmm. I put I put cool stuff in there. So like you guys are from Cleveland, I would totally put some Cleveland Indians cards in there, some Cleveland Browns, Browns cards oh, in there, nice. sign awesome. the book, say something cool. So like um, – I had somebody the other day, um, actually from Cleveland, they bought the book and I, I had a Carlos Baerga rookie card. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably nice. worth like three bucks, but it was like a 1990 like tops. Yeah. And it was, yeah. You know, Cause there's an antique store near my house. So I just buy like tons of like commons and stuff. And I put them in people's books because I want to, I used to love going on like speaking engagements and high schools and stuff and talking to people and stuff. And you can't do that now because of COVID. Yeah. So the only way that I can really connect with people is by doing that so like yeah again if you order the book through me i'll sign it i'll put some cool stuff in there and that's why i post so much on instagram that's why i talk so much to people on instagram because i want to be someone that is relatable and approachable and that their passion is obvious because i I mean i've been to so many really shitty book signings over the years where it's like you're waiting to talk to an author to pick their brain just to talk for like 30 seconds and it's like they just shake your hand Mm. and give you a signed book and then it's over so i never want my readers to feel that way so if anyone ever orders the book through me they'll get some bookmarks they'll get some some uh baseball cards they'll get all sorts of cool stuff like i had somebody that was a big pokemon fan so i got some pokemon stickers for them um i got a card in the walter day superstars of gaming set last year which was like a really big honor for me um like the the founder of twin galaxies put me in his trading card set um and i have a whole bunch of those cards so i put one of those cards in everyone's book that buys and i sign it and stuff like that so if you're really interested in the book it's available at amazon barnes and noble target books a million indigo like wherever fine books are sold um it's available digitally if you buy it digitally on Kindle, you can get your Alexa dot to even read it to you if you want to. Like there's so many different ways that you can experience the book. But there yeah, um, I know. There we go. I You said read it to me and I'm like, I'm in. I'm, yeah, I, I did it. No this, it's so funny. I got a I got a dot yesterday and just I, I was setting it up today and I'm just like, Alexa, read the minds behind the sports games to me. And she just started reading the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 chapter to That's me. And I'm just awesome. like, this is freaking awesome. So. So yeah, Alexa, so you could do that. Show me pictures of Destiny FOMO. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, you've got to be you've got to be a subscriber to her fans only channel mm. for that, you know. So pulling up pictures of you are a homo. No, <laughs> oh, no, that's god. not what I said. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Damn oh it, Alexa! God. But yeah, guys, th- yeah. thank <laughs> you so much for having me on. Thank for you sure, for just dude. being so cool. I really appreciate oh, it. No, no same with you, man. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much, Patrick. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right, man. We'll definitely talk to you soon. We'll be in touch, and uh, we'll. Uh, I, f- I feel like you're you needed the the voice to do like a, a build up coming soon in January. <laughs> coming soon in January, the minds behind the shooter games, Halo, Check, 
Metroid, check. Wolfenstein, check. Better than Destiny FOMO's twins. The minds behind the shooter games. Rated PG-13. Now in theaters everywhere. Oh, my God. That was amazing. (laughs) Oh, my God. I think that's the best way to end that thing. Oh, my God. Perfect, Perfect, dude. (laughs) All right, I'm totally gonna like. I'm totally gonna get flamed by the counter, <laughs> the the cancel culture people. But whatever, who cares? We'll have fun. Uh, it's all good, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. We'll talk to you soon, dude. And with that, we get to the part of the show we call the wrap up. Wrap it up. So we had a great interview today with author Patrick Hickey Jr., the mind behind the games, the book series. We definitely recommend everybody go pick these up for sure. Whether it's on Kindle, you know, ebook type thing, mm-hmm. or you buy the physical copy, it can be found on Amazon.com. Uh, I've seen it on like Walmart.com. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. much just make a search for the mind behind the games and you will find this book. So, what we'd like to ask right now is uh, if you're a listener and you're picking up the book, let us know what you think on our social medias Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We want to hear from you. And with that, this has been the Vulgar Burrito Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Mike. And we'll catch you guys next episode. Peace. Out. Peace.